episode 31 of the Group Tech Out Podcast. Daniel and Chubba, we're, we're already going in here. We're going. How are we doing today, boys? Good. Danny's good. having a tough day, and he's also uh, got some parlays in, so he's got to get out uh, as quick as possible. But what do you got? What do you, Who do we need tonight? Who are we rooting for? Well, we took a hit last week, and by the time people are listening to this, they'll be getting ready for Super Bowl weekend, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah. Um, Tampa yeah, so. Bay's a three-point underdog in that. So as of going. now, yeah, we'll we see. lost our bets last week. Uh, we had both unders. Um, Tommy and Aaron Rodgers put us over on that one pretty quick, so that yeah. ended our run there. And it wasn't a bad bet because Bills Daniel lost. Daniel told us it was going to be snowy and cold in Green Bay, and we were like, okay, we should take the under. Then ended up being a beautiful day in Green oh, Bay. It was, it was like, like the it was hottest day. And yeah, sunny. it was yeah, bluebird. Uh, yeah, no wind. Good call, Dan. <laughs> Um, and they just started th- they just started bombing it on both sides right off the bat too. And as we discussed last week on the pod, we made that parlay together. Like we were all going to bet it as a group. And Dan just throws the bet in didn't didn't put himself in it. Yeah. I got just puts it in for us. Ridiculous. Didn't like it. I, I, I made a commitment. That. You made a commitment. It, it hurt because you didn't have the confidence. Like, Danny wasn't even rooting for us at that well, point. No, 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 like, no, no, he maybe, had his own bets going yeah, on. Yeah, maybe speak I up and say something it. before we put the bet in rather than being like, yeah, that's a good bet. We'll do that as a group and then just and not. And for the record, on the on the pod that uh, it will air tomorrow, I did have the well, win. It'll I did air have... a week ago from when people hear this. Yes, it'll air a week ago. <laughs> this Now, this episode aired a week ago. If you If you listened... We did record before the games, and I did pick both correctly. I had the Bucks and Kansas City, but we went with the Bills in our parlay because we went with the two underdogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Sonny did is two for two last week. Yeah, I said the Bills, and I regret that. We wanted, wanted the Bills, though. We wanted the Bills. We wanted, I wanted the Bills. The, yeah. I said I want the Bills, but I'm taking Kansas City. And then the other thing was you can't bet against Thomas Edward. Patrick, and I was kind of doing that thing where like I, if the Bills did win again because my friend is a Bills fan and I couldn't have him like have something over me. So if the Bills did win and I won money, that was kind of my thinking there. So that's why, you know, I went with the Bills and I do that a lot. I do that yeah. a lot. I actually had the idea to do that in the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl because that one I wasn't, you know, like, again, you never bet against Tom, but it's like I, I had I, that one was the coin flip for me. That Eagles team was playing well. And I actually said this to that idiot Bills uh, fan friend. And I said, you know, I'm thinking maybe, dude, I just throw some money on the Eagles. That way, if the Patriots win, I'm not going to care about losing the money, you know, because my team right. won. That's awesome. But if I lose, I'll get paid. And then that will make me happy. And he made he fl- absolutely lost his mind, flipped out, made me feel like a bad fan if I were to do something like that. Then the Eagles won. And I was like, God damn it. I have no money. <laughs> and no win no Super Bowl, no money right i think next time if my team's ever in the championship again i'm betting against them that's a smart that way my that's feelings actually... aren't as sad at the end of the day if i lose and if you're a big sports fan just do that every game i mean maybe i'll reverse my action for tonight and root for penn state you know if you really if you're really going to be excited like if your day is going to be better tomorrow because ohio state wins then you should bet on penn state yeah it's right. not a big enough not a big enough stage you know Right. It's similar to betting on it's like my first bet ever was uh on golf was on Zach Johnson to win the British Open because I, I hated him. I didn't like his white sunglasses. So I was like, hey, How could you? If, 
if he wins, I'll win some money. You know, I hate the guy so much that I have to win money if he wins because it's the British Open. Like, I'd want to see anyone but him win. And he won. I won $800 on, on a $10 bet. But Yeah, well, there you go. So Wait, then I started liking the guy. Can you hey, get you one know, of those you, for us? You too? start listening to Chubba a little bit more, you might learn something, Dan. I'm glad that I taught you how to do that. Yeah, maybe lock us Happened in for ago. $10 for 800 turnaround. I'll take hey, one of now, those. Uh, I, we probably should jump into golf a little bit here as a golf podcast. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about having uh, friends with poor uh, pace of play etiquette. And I just wanted to, to touch on that again, because Danny and I were talking about this after we left that round a couple weeks ago. When you have that friend who has like a preposterously long pre-shot routine and they do it before every shot, there's nothing worse like than having to watch that every time. Like when you know that, like I have a friend who has like a, I would say it's probably like 15 to 20 moves. He's got, you know, he lines it up. He, he tests the weight on his toes in the front. He tests his weight on, on his heels. He goes side to side. And then he's got a couple different little checks that he does. He adjusts his grip. And when you, when you have their pre-shot routine, just ingrained in your brain and you know that you're on step like three out of 20. Is there anything worse in golf than having to go through the next 17 steps of that pre-shot routine? Every fucking shot. My answer is no, there's not. It's agony. And, and how much like worse that, is it when you're playing overplayed, bad? Overplayed song on your iPod that just keeps coming on and you, you, you can't. Right. Just, Right. And it, yeah. like it's it's one thing when you don't know the guy or you don't know the routine like down pat you don't yeah. have it memorized right. but when you do it is obnoxious mm. there's no shortcuts like you're you you you, have right. you to just, just sit wait. there like you know he's going through the rest of those 17 moves before he strikes at this ball and, it's and, the, and if there's if there's right anything now. off with you if you're playing bad if you're hungry or thirsty or you have to pee or like you have to be somewhere there's nothing more annoying than every single stroke that they're taking Oh my God! Not stroke, just the practice, just every yeah. piece of the routine. That's yeah, right. exactly. Right, human rain delay. It's brutal. Yeah, I love the human rain delay. That's a really funny uh, it, way it's, to put it, it. It's adding. If you add up like that, fifteen seconds of pre-shot. Not even at least seconds. with Fat John, yeah. you're talking 40, 40, I would say. Yeah, I would oh, put yeah. the under over at like from the time he puts his ball on the ground. I would put the over under at like thirty three seconds. I think. And it's not always just the routine with the waggles. A lot of times with a guy like Fat John, it's like, okay, let me. I'm gonna let everyone else go, even though I'm away, so that once they've all hit their balls, they can now stop and focus on me to hit my shot because I want everyone to see me hit this shot in case you know, I hit a nice shot or whatever, you know, everyone stop and watch me because, you know, this is the PGA tour in their mind, which mm -hmm. is, uh, you have to be taking it obnoxiously serious. I mean, routines are good. Don't get me wrong, but keep it short and keep it simple. Like right. you get into that 20, 30 seconds of just wasted, you're wasting everyone's time. Like everyone in the group, if it's the first time playing with you, it's like you said, yeah, I might be able to get over it, but still it's like, you don't know what kind of group I am. What if I like to play fast and we're all, you know, and now it's like we have to all change our style of play to slow down and wait for this every time this guy has to hit a shot. Yeah. I you think know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned fat John in there um, and with his 
his knack to have um, all the eyes on him because he's on the PGA Tour. He does that until bogey. And then yeah. once he makes bogey, it's just like, well, you know, I'll just pick this up. You know, it's yeah. got to be so there's got to be some sort of reason that I didn't make par here. So and I'm a par. I just there are there and there are a lot. Fat John's not the only this isn't mutually exclusive to him, if that is how you say that. Um, but there are people that do that where they'll play to par very seriously, very slow. And then once it's oh, well, yeah, I, I could end up with double or triple bogey here. It's just like, yeah, we'll pick it up. Right. That's it's uh, which is a wild move, a wild yeah. move to think that you only have to pay attention to your golf score when if you're under par or have a par putt, and then once you're past that, it's like you can't, you just can't be bothered to finish out the hole because. But at the yeah, same time, me. On the, if they really it. did, if they did, you know, if, if Fat John was going and making those sevens and eights, would you really want to have to wait that extra forty-five seconds on every route when he's putting for well, seven? Well, here's what you can do there. Here's what you can do there. You can just start to walk off the green, which yeah. I know is. Yeah, I mean, is there a more disrespectful thing to do in golf? Maybe the hit your drive and then hop in your cart and head down. Like if you're the first one to tee off in a foursome. And you hit your drive, and then you just jump in your cart and start driving down I've, to the ball. I mean, I've that's never crazy seen that. Move. I would, I would be so mad if somebody ever did that. <laughs> yeah, I oh, I've seen it. But walking off walk. the green is similar, you know, and it because it sends a message. It's like, hey, dude, I'm not waiting around for this. Yeah, it is. And I sometimes have... it's like because the player's bad, but sometimes it's also because they're slow. Yeah. And so you, you could send them a good message, be like, yeah, no, take your time. We'll be in the fucking cart. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody cares about. Yeah, I think Fat John takes more time. He's one of those guys that knows that you're doing that, and he's like, you know, I see that he's, <laughs> I see that he's walking off the green. Let me wait till he gets to the next tee box, so that yeah. I really piss him off, so that. Now I have to wait on the next tee box because the other people, you know, I can't tee off alone on the next hole. Everyone else is ready to hit, but they're on the green waiting for John to finish his routine. Right. So it's just, it's tough to play with a guy like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm a fa- I'm a speed guy. I like to just go, 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 you know, ready golf is what you call it. You know, if uh, it's not, Oh, this guy's away by five yards. If you're at your ball, you know, look over, this guy's still taking a practice swing or two or switching clubs. Just get up and hit. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, a huge proponent of right. I would never be upset if somebody in front of me hit before me. There was, there's not, there's not any scenario where I would be upset if somebody on the other side of the fairway or any, any, in any situation, I would be upset where somebody like went ahead of me when it, when I was like out of turn, would you say, unless somebody was putting right in front of me or something like that. Yeah, I think the only time it gets egregious is when there's like a a, a very large uh, discrepancy in skill and you have like, you know, if you're playing in like a threesome, two guys are pretty good. You know, their ball ends up in the same spot, uh, you know, on most shots. And then there's a guy who's just like topping it behind them. I've seen I've seen some players get a little bit frustrated with uh that because they're just constantly you know it's like you're just not part of the group at all you know you're just like so I, i've tough. seen that but but i get like i agree if, if me and you are playing and you know i'm 20 40 yards behind you and you hit like i'm not gonna mm-hmm. i'm not upset yeah. with you that you went out of turn there but i think there is a little bit of uh trying to to keep the group camaraderie high you know by playing as an actual group but i would say that there's a line on that yardage where i'm saying like if i don't mind if you hit out a turn you know like if somebody's 
if somebody didn't make it to the fairway and I have a hundred, you know, and I'm 200 yards ahead of them, I'm not hitting yet. But right. if, right. like, if they're on the right. other side of the fairway, 20 yards behind me and I'm ready and they're still picking right. a club, I'm like, yeah, I'll go, you know? Yeah. But yeah, you have to keep the group together because you need that, you know, that's part, that's most of the game is that camaraderie of the guys together, which man, I might've said this before camaraderie, one of the hardest words in the, uh, in the world to spell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you yeah. tried to spell that right now, I guarantee everybody would get it wrong without autocorrect. So I'm going to try it. I think I've got, I've, I've got it pretty close. I think, I think it's C O M M. And then it's like, I don't know if there's an R there or if it's A R D I E come, is it come rar or dury or come R? You're already, you're already so wrong. I'll just tell you straight up. You're wrong. Daniel, you spell it. Spell camaraderie. Yeah. Well, I'm going to think that it would start as – does it start the same as – it? Oh, yeah. It was well, just out. spell it, dude. Just spell it like Chubba. D-O-M-R-A-D-E-R. Right, you're, you're wrong, too. You're dude, wrong. I thought yeah. I was I, – I was pretty confident in mine, and it wasn't even close. I, I, I wasn't lying when I said it is the hardest word to spell in the English language. It is camaraderie. C-A-M-A-R-A. D E R I E. Yeah, if you were to pronounce it phonetically, it's almost like camaraderie. Camaraderie is just yeah. not it. Unbelievably hard word to spell, but you need a lot of that when you play golf. That's what it's all about. Uh, the yeah. camaraderie. Um, so <laughs> I think if I had the country of origin there, I would have nailed it. So that's that's on our host. True. Is it true. is it Russia? Camaraderie. The common so I don't know if you're asking me. I'm not because of communist. Uh, Is that a question? Well, well, no, no. Because if you ever, <laughs> I mean, if you've watched um, our one of our favorite shows of all time, uh, Chernobyl, mm. uh, you, they call people comrade. So I right. thought that's where. And I wonder if they spell that C O M R A D or C A R A M A D. Question. Now, yeah, that's a good question. Now, um, speaking of etiquette, we also had another great uh, etiquette run in, which I don't think we mentioned last week when we played. Um, Daniel had uh, eight people total. As we said last week, only five showed up. Um, We were checking into the pro shop, the three of us, uh, when one of those uh, players showed up and uh got a nice introduction we all introduced ourselves uh got to say hi meet each other and then i think we either went to the bathroom or back to the car to get the clubs and the fifth member showed up and we met him on the first tee and i believe Sonny had already met him but i had not and Mm. nobody not him not me not danny was like hey chubba this is my friend, John. So we hit our shots and then I'm in that situation. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been in this situation, but it's like, so now we're going, we got to the first green, nothing got to the second tee box, nothing. We're just cruising along. And now I'm in this situation where it's like, do I go up to this cat three holes in and say, Hey man, I'm Chubba. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Or do do I, am I allowed to skip that because we missed it on the first tee. And then I jump right into like, Hey, dude, nice shot. <laughs> you know, like, can I zazz somebody? Can I, I rile do. them up a little bit without an introduction? Like, those are our first words. Like, hey, dude, shitty golf playing right there. Nice, nice one. 
Yeah, I mean, it just went on. That went on in my head that entire round. We never were introduced. I don't even think we. You said there it might have been like a nice hole. shot here. Yeah, I mentioned it to Sonny. We were partners, mm-hmm. but there might have been like a hey, nice shot or something like that. But we never spoke directly that entire uh, round. I don't know if I that's ever happened on a golf. Course. It's a like, tough situation anyway. because you don't know what to do. You don't know if you like go up like, hey man, I know this is awkward because we're on the third hole. We've been playing for like 25, 30 minutes already, but like this is my name nice to meet you or do you just like do you drop it and just act like we're past the introduction now because we're in the thick of it you know blood's pumping we're going and are and are you allowed to are you allowed to kind of toss jokes around if you haven't been introduced to a person yet i I have a question too were you a little offended that even parker on the second hole and and fat john the whole time they had to ask what your name was again like that they didn't know who chubba watson was uh Well, that's a tough one because, like, a, I mean, I don't, I never fault anybody for forgetting a name. Hmm. You know what I mean? So if I were to be like, "Hey, I'm Chuba," but don't you think he should have known that he was playing with? Well, that's what I was gonna say. Was like, I did get a, I I hit a nice chip, and it was pretty close, and it was, I was probably sixty feet from the hole, and I started walking across to go tap that sucker in, and it got tapped back to me. That was more offensive than I think somebody forgetting my name because it was like, "Dude, do you not know?" And that's Danny's fault. And that's yeah. Danny's fault. Yeah, because if you came to Rhode Island and you played with any of my buddies or anywhere, um, they would know that they're playing with Chuba and Danny, you know, the guys from the podcast. Right. Yeah. And it is a little bit, it is a little bit um, like diva-ish or preposterous for me to think that everyone should know that. But it, that's not the first time that somebody's hit a putt back to me and I like stare at the ground and look at them. It was like, do you know who you just did that too? I don't know. You know why he did that, dude? It was on the third hole and he had a birdie putt from about four feet. And he wanted to pick that up too. And he's like, Oh, I have to put this. Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, like, is that what he was trying to, to work yes. up there? Interesting. Yeah, I, that's what I think because he was surprised that he had to put his four footer for birdie. May I add? Yeah. And I might've mentioned that last week. Um, but, but he was a little surprised that he, we made him put that. So I think we set the tone early. Luckily. I think the, the only reason out. there were, the only reason there was no introduction was because I knew Sonny had already played with him. So in my mind, I was like, oh, we, we've already all met each other. And then I wasn't yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. No, who cares? I, I was not Sonny. I introduced you. I introduced both of you to my buddy Parker. You did. That was very and nice. Then, Polite. And then it was just like, um, you know, yeah, we and went it was like, fuck Chubba. You can figure it out from there. It was Antarctica when we got back outside of the pro <laughs> shop. So it was just like. Survive. That, all you're thinking yeah, was, was survive at that point. It was like yeah. introductions. I mean, I, I might be leaving before this round starts. I wasn't thinking about introductions. And I actually right. was, I don't, if it wasn't for Chubba on the second hole asking me if Parker had met him, had, uh, if that kid's name was Parker or something else, I wouldn't even have remembered his JP name. JP was getting thrown around, I think. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, because I, I didn't retain it at all in the pro shop whenever we had met. I was like focused on paying um so i was like oh i was like hey quick what's up uh, whatever and then luckily chubba said that and then i knew his name for the day so i would have had no idea uh, yeah his name I, was. But I, I did I had know to get clarification job. because we were talking you know when all of the phone calls came in the day before canceling i remembered that parker was a constant like he's in he's in he's mm-hmm. in. yeah but then like the day arrived in this like justin's being thrown around jp's being thrown around so it's just he's like, got a lot of names just real yeah. quick are you parker or what was it was actually funny you? because because you were talking about how you hadn't met fat john yet mm-hmm. on this one on our drive from the 
first, first T to the green. second, first green to the second yeah. T. You were telling me how you hadn't met Fat John yet. From the on the drive from the second T to the uh, our drives on the second hole. You were saying now is that kid's name Parker or and then he and then he got to the fairway and he came over to us and he was like was it Chuba like yeah, yeah. I was like in this name like thing that was going on I was like what is going on nobody remembers oh. each other's names but everybody like has an idea like what's going what right. the dynamic it, was really it was weird. a five some it was there's more names than normal because it was a five some so it was just like holy <laughs> shit. It was the we best, introduced the everyone weird. and the first hole was into an 80 mile an hour wind and nobody could hear each other nobody got close early in that round and it was just oh. yeah like like Danny oh, said, that first shot five. was agony for me i think i yeah. mentioned it last week how my hat it was this hat just fell down over my eyes on my backswing but like that combined with you know there's always that like and i'm not like a good player so it's not this might not uh, like pertain to me all the time but there is that feeling of like when you you're playing with new guys like you want to be able to get off the tee you know what i mean the first tee so was like i don't know this guy's name is this is oh i i knew his name but we hadn't been introduced so it's like awkward hang over me like do i should i turn around after this shot and be like hey man i'm chubba you know what i mean and i just i topped the shit out of that ball that was a tough first shot i mean wind was blowing 100 miles an hour i the introduction thing who knows you know when that's gonna come and then uh, my hat fell over my eyes so that was a tough like tough way to break in with danny's crew down there you know Mm. hey fat john after the round was quoted as saying he was highly impressed with what he saw out of trouble watson out there yeah so. well and that's kind of like i i purposely try to say i'm bad as often as i can so that mm. if i do hit a good shot people are like oh well yeah not bad yeah he was rather he was than expect- being like yeah no i'm pretty good i'm pretty i can get around the course you know and then you yeah. go out there and it's like yeah can you yeah that's a whole conversation in itself is when you know like when do you well trouble probably beat me that day like those conditions anyone it doesn't matter what your handicap is and stuff like that. It's the middle of January. It's like, uh, you know, minor, it might be single digits with the, with the uh, wind chill out there. Yeah, so it was, like, hey, it was whoever's boring. the best, the, whoever's the most warm might have the best chance today. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I was, I, I mean, all things considered how windy it was, how cold it was, how fuck I've never seen a golf course so wet in my life. I mean, mm. there, there were a lot of, a lot of little ponds on this course, but there was standing water everywhere. I mean, it was saturated wet. Yeah, heavy Not rain. Considered, you know, uh, greens weren't great, but they weren't terrible. But I, you know, my goal's intact. I did not three putt. I had some pars. I definitely had some quad bogeys. But I uh, overall, I was I was fine with my performance. So what? The resolution was not no more three putts or no, no three putts for all of twenty twenty one. All of 2020. So you could you could stop playing and technically I could, you could take I could and, and I could I could stop right now. Yeah, you've gotten golf in. You've gotten three pot three putless golf in. Good for you. Yeah, in but I think you know I think for for you know a, a mid teens handicap like myself, somewhat newer to the game, it's it's good for me to start focusing on, on one thing to get good at, you know, rather than trying to master a a million different techniques. And that really, I mean, it, it, my mindset, you know, chipping close to the green or whatever was just like, Hey, let's just get this as close as possible and focus on limiting the the putt count. So Mm. yeah, the short game. 
it does put help. a lot of pressure on those those longer putts and those second putts, but I think it's good. I think a little added pressure is good sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of putting, right. we have uh, we have putting expert Brittany Bomar joining us today. We do. Right. We do. From uh, Bomar right. Putting. They are pioneers of the uh, side saddle game. Um, and we're always interested in, in people who are trying to grow the game and, uh, you know, trying new things. <clears throat> we're into that. So this was a great convo with, with Brittany. Um, I, I think without further ado, we just let it rip. Yeah, let's do it. Brittany Bomar, Bomar putting. Bring her on. All right. All right. So uh, we got Brittany, Brittany here from uh, Bomar putting uh, and now founder, co-founder, co-founder with my dad, Billy family business. Nice. Okay. And um, now you played some golf professionally in your day, correct? I did. Yeah. I turned pro late 2011 after I graduated from university of Hawaii and did seven or eight seasons in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, a little bit in Africa, Canada. So all over. And now did your father played too? Yeah. So he played amateur golf in Arizona. He's from Phoenix and then got a scholarship to Oral Roberts university. Mm-hmm. He played for them for two years and then turned pro. I want to say when he was 20 and taught with John Jacobs golf schools, that was kind of his first stint in the teaching world. And then still plays now owns and runs a course. So he's kind of done it all. Okay, now if you guys don't know, Bomar putting, now these putters, side saddle putters, are you guys specialize? That's all you do, right? All side saddle. Yep. Yep. Okay, now side saddle putter, you're going to, you might have to Google it here um, because you might have never seen it before, which, which is pretty crazy. Um, But I, I did read that um, Bryson in 2017 was using a side saddle for a little while. He was. Um, And what what happened? Did he not like it? Were there some problems with with conforming? Because it's you set up to it. There's nothing. There's nothing anchored. Um, right. But it is an underhanded stroke. So is there is there ever was there ever any like questions with the stroke or or anything like that? Like legally, we know it's legal, but people might look at it and say, how is that legal? Well, two things. One with Bryson, we were actually able to talk to his putting coach at uh, the PGA show last year. So we met him and he was like, yeah, you know, Bryson kind of had to make his own deal. And the USGA said that it was non-conforming because you could use it to chip as well. Mm-hmm. So it was the legality with the putter itself. I think his stroke was fine because he wasn't anchored, wasn't straddling the line. That was all good. Um, but yeah, for us personally, I mean, we've been doing this, my dad and I, since we were 10 years old. So obviously a little bit longer for my dad, but mm-hmm. my pretty much my entire golf career and when the anchor band came into effect, we did have to make adjustments because we used to anchor right in our shoulder. So that shaft was essentially uh, all the way up and down your right arm. I mean, I could hit putts with one hand, you know, I didn't even really need my left top hand. Um, so we had to make that adjustment and it was a bit easier for me. Cause like I said, my dad's, you know, 20 years older than me. So he had that ingrained a bit more than I did. I gave myself six months and I didn't notice any differences in my stats. So I was fine, but it was a little harder for him. Um, but yeah, now we're conforming with the USGA, the two models that we are selling and the strokes conforming as well. As long as you're not anchoring, you're all good. So, and is there anything with ball position? Um, does the ball need to be in front or behind the toe or I thought I saw something about that some, somewhere along the line, but 
Yeah. So with the setup, that's something because our lie angle and our face, our face is at zero degrees. So since it's a pendulum stroke, as it's coming through for optimal strike, you want the ball position to be, I say a putter head in front of your leading foot. If it okay. creeps too far back, then it's coming in too steep and you're going to get the ball popping up on you. So, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I had a question and before I forget, because I probably will, now, that, that we had that putt last week on tour. Um, or what was that? What was his name again? I think we talked about it. Uh, oh, yeah. He, the what, what did he call that? I think it was Mark Hubbard or something. Yeah, he kind of wrapped like his arm snap. around. He, he wrapped, I don't know if you saw it, he bent down real low and almost held it near the head of the club, but he wrapped his arm around the shaft. Right. Um, and to me, it seemed like that would be similar to what you were saying, where you used to put it up to your shoulder. I mean, it seemed like an anchored stroke. I don't know if you saw it, but um, yeah, I just I was just bringing that up because when you said when you held it to your shoulder, because I used a belly putter for a few years and I'd never put better. And when they said that you can't use those anymore, I was like, no wonder, like it should be right. illegal because it really was a, was an advantage for somebody who's been a terrible putter forever, who was just draining putts left and right. So I wasn't sure like, it, and even like Matt Kuchar, doesn't he kind of put the putter up his arm a little bit too now? They don't. All I know is if it's below your elbow, you can be fully anchored. So I've actually had. Oh, uh, okay. I think we have about 50 club pros now on staff with us. And I had a guy, a local guy, Derek Caesar, that works at Indian Canyon Golf Club. And he's kind of a scientific nerd when it comes to golf. So he was messing around with our putter and he actually cut one down to. I want to say 35 inches and he anchored it right at the crook of his elbow. Okay. I mean, it's an option, but yeah. also yeah. that's a bit of strain on your back. Like a lot of people that are converting to our style, they want something that's longer to where they don't have to have as much pelvic tilt. It's mm -hmm. easier straight up and down. Um, but yeah. So was that guy you're talking about? Was that on PGA tour? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was Mark tour. Hubbard. It was Mark yeah. Hubbard. He calls it the snail. And what he does is he goes, he holds it. He, he, he addresses it like a regular putt, keeps his top hand uh, in a traditional fashion, but then he bends down and wraps his pinky, um, you know, kind of going toward his feet. So his, his hand's still in front of the shaft, but he just wraps his pinky almost like two inches down toward uh, oh, wow. the off the ground, kind of like the Happy Gilmore style where he's right. all the way down there with the hockey stick, but he just wraps it around there and then. It yeah. kind of looked like it was anchored into his waist a little bit, but I guess, I don't know. Yeah, or like into, by, by wrapping your arm around, it almost feels like it's anchored into your arm. But I guess if you can put it up to your elbow, that's, that's, uh, if that's the rule, then, then, then yeah, you should be able to do it. There's so like a, those calls over, you're like, are they anchored? Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Like longer, longer is still really close. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, I wasn't intending to do that. So I think that's why a lot of them end up getting away with it. Yeah, I do. I do see how stand like being able to stand straight up because even practicing putting, if I take 15 or 20 practice putts, I'm like, man, my back hurts. This is boring. Right, like right. I need to, I need to leave like, or chip or something. I don't know why, but the putting stroke is just like, but with that, I guess, yeah, you could stand up and putt for hours and practice. Yeah. Uh, and now when we were in our chipping contest or our, sorry, our putting contest there, um, we were watching the videos that you guys have online and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know which model do you have, Sonny? Um, I don't know I'm if they're sure different exactly or not. What it's called. So, traditional weights or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we were, we were. I guess my question came from in the videos. It looked like the shaft was straight up perpendicular with the ground, right? Mm -hmm. But then the 
the face of the club wouldn't sit flush on the ground. It was almost like that. Is that how we're supposed to be doing that? Or are we supposed to lie it flat on the ground? Now, so the heel, what we had to do, and this is kind of diving into the origins, but as you guys know, with the USGA right now, the legal maximum that you can have is 80 degrees. So 90. Oh, oh, oh gotcha. So for oh. ages, with our original putters, we were at 80. It's like, okay, that's all good. And then when we sent in, you know, a few prototypes to the USGA, we had to make a couple altercations. And one of them was going from 80 to 76. And we're like, well, 80 is legal right now. And the USGA was great. We had an awesome rep that helped us, but they're saying, you know, we can change the rules at any time. So we don't want you guys to go out and build 2000 putters that are going to potentially be non-conforming. So they're like, go to 76 to be safe. And at first we're like, Ugh, I don't know about this, but with the way that we set up, we do have it leaning slightly towards your body. So for me, my top hand is kind of the crook of my arm, right in line with my armpit. If you get too over, you feel a little disconnected. If you get too far this way towards your body, then that shaft can get in the way of your leg. Um, so the lie angle ended up being fine. We made a couple other adjustments to uh, the aesthetics and yeah, it's all good now. But yeah, if it's right in the crook of your arm, that's perfect. So the so, heel is is designed to be up off the ground a little bit. bit. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. That's funny. I didn't know that 90 degree rule. That's uh, interesting. That you can't yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure most people that are listening have no idea about that. I'll what rules about... do you know, Chuck? What rules do None. you know? I don't know many <laughs> rules, to be honest. I'm the hack in the group, Brittany, so I don't know, like, lingo. So if I say things that are incorrect, just feel free to jump in and correct me. And I guess we probably – yeah. I guess we probably should have started this with this, but could you just kind of tell us the, the origin story of how you guys got started? And Yeah, did your father have made... demons? Is that is that, yeah, is that how he started? Got... Did he use – yeah, because did he use a, a putter in this style and then start the company, or did he just did he tackle this idea on his own? Kind of what happened there? Um, I mean, it was kind of a mutual thing, maybe a little bit more so on my end, getting the ball up and running and whatnot. But I mean, he started like I said this way when he was ten. He saw someone at his club in Arizona using it, an older guy, and was like, "Oh wow, that looks different. Let me give it a go." And I mean, he's a phenomenal putter, so am I. And that, that was kind of the reason why we ended up pursuing this. I retired from playing uh, late 2018. and was like, you know, what am I going to do? Do I want to teach full-time? Do I want to be a full-time rep? You know, and kind of chased that and really didn't have any solid leads that I wanted. And then our original putter, and I'll just show this to you guys if you can kind of see it, but it's yep. mm -hmm. made out of brass. It's pinned together. There's no milling on the face. So that was the original putter called the T-Rific, and that was made for my dad in 1996 before the World Putting Championship. And uh, so that was a huge event. Dave Pels was a sponsor. It was down in Orlando. I went to it with him, even though I was a kid and didn't really care about golf <laughs> at Disney World. But I got to meet Payne Stewart, Sally Little. I mean, there was legit players. He ended up, my dad finished sixth. Nice. And so that putter was built specifically for him to take it to that and then I was like okay this is perfect it's made for side saddle putting and so that's what I used throughout my entire career since I was 10 up until you know two years ago and then we had a guy I think I mentioned my dad owns and runs a course here so one of our members wanted to pay off the remainder of his pass and he's an engineer and was like hey how about I make you a couple prototypes and at the time we just had the brass putter and my dad's like, okay, you know, expecting it to be like a science project. Your kid's going to bring it home. And it's like, uh, yeah, this is nice. I'm never going to use it. And he built us a beautiful putter. Cause I mean, he has access to 
you know, the Haas machinery for milling and all that. So it's like, okay, I'm going to give you something legit. And we went through prototyping phase. And once I saw it and was trying to figure out what I'm going to do, it was like, all right, this is it. And if I can get an investor on board and, you know, have capital to move it forward, there's really not anyone else that's done this. I mean, PR Dion, he's one guy, we met him at the PGA show, but in terms of really trying to market it and coming from a player's perspective where my dad and I are both instructors, we've had success with this. So it's like, you're not only buying a putter, but it comes with instruction. And so it just kind of all made sense. And yeah, it's, it's been a blast so far, honestly, it's been hard, you know, our, first year as a company was a COVID year, but oh, doing yeah. online. So yeah. yeah. And and I think the more that the more it gets out there that like side saddles exists and not even so much for like you don't even need to see it on a PGA tour pro using it, but how many people out there like feel like they couldn't get any worse at putting? You know, like it doesn't really matter like for me, for instance, like it's the one part of my game that's just never there. Like right. maybe a couple of times a season, but like I don't see any, anything that I could use that I could get any worse with it. So, I mean, it's, it's worth a try and it's, you know, putting's hard no matter what, you know, and you don't have to bend over the whole time. And, and like I said, can it really, I think more and more people are like searching and instead of like buying a million of the same putter, I mean, you might right. as well try side saddle, you know, yeah, change it up. And it's been, you know, it's funny that you say that. Cause you know, through my time playing on tour and, you know, being around all these amazing talented athletes, like that's really what separates you from that 1% that makes it full time mm -hmm. is being able to convert birdies. I mean, everybody, when you get to that level is a great ball striker, but it comes down to, can you make enough birdies and Eagles to, you know, be the top 1% and it's been fun, you know, with this. I mean, like I said, we've been pretty much online only sales wise. We've done decent considering, but Yep. Being able to, at this point, being a small business, like I talk to everyone that buys a putter. So it's a pretty intimate relationship and I get to learn their stories. And it's just such a mix of people. It's people that it's like, hey, you know what? I'm a terrible putter. I have the yips, like I need help. But then it's other people like Spargo and, you know, good players that are just like, hey, I think I can improve my putting even more. So it's cool that it's, you know, a wide array of people. So are you thinking about like maybe going around and doing some demo days? Like, are you guys going to try to get out there into pro shops? What's the next step for you guys? Um, so, I mean, at the moment, since it's hard to forecast the state of the union and what states are going to open up and, sure. you know, what kind of restrictions we're going to have, you know, for me, I'm trying to just get a hold of a bunch of courses, get our merch and putters into the shops, and then hopefully follow up with demo days afterwards. And is there any, uh, have you guys had any talks with tour pros? Is it kind of one of those things where you, you're, you're more focusing on the general public than tour pros or, you know, like, and, and also how is that level of introduction or education into the product? Do you find that you have to show people or are people coming interested on their own? Um, you know, it's been interesting how people discover us. I mean, a lot of it's word of mouth. I mean, you guys know the golf community is so small, um, yeah. but it's also Google searches, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have a web series with uh, Morning Read. So I'm doing a lesson series. So that's kind of opened us up to a different market because they have an online, you know, email editorial that they'll blast out. So it's people that maybe don't have social media that are finding us. Um, yeah, so it's been a lot of different groups, but obviously I mean, it, it's interesting because you think in your mind, it's like, okay, if I get someone on tour and that was kind of always my dad's thought, it's like, you know, him and I played the mini tours forever. And it's like, once we get to that level and we're so well known, the putters are going to sell themselves, even though it wasn't a company yet. 
Um, and so I think even though it's mutually our company, I got to the point where, you know, he's still playing, he's running a golf course. It's like, Hey, this can be something that I'm going to try and do. Obviously he's involved, but, um, yeah, I mean, we have, I actually just sent a putter down to one of my friends in Australia who plays ALPG tour, which I played on for seven years. So we have some people like that are doing mini tour stuff in terms of getting someone, you know, full-time on PGA or LPGA, it would be awesome. But then at the same time, I don't think it's guaranteed to, you know, make the company blow up because then it's a lot of pressure. Cause if that one person doesn't right. excel with it, it's right. like now it's under the microscope and it's like, oof, they couldn't right. do it. Now I don't right. Try. right. So it's, a double-edged sword there, but I mean, to answer your question, I would say right now, my focus is demo days, online orders, getting into shops, because with the ability, you know, this day and age with media for people to send me a video, I mean, if I can see down the line, side angle view, I can adjust things enough, just, you know, being remote to help them out. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a buddy who uses one. He's been, I mean, he's lights outside saddle. He can't really, can't really putt regular ryan right um, yeah 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 he's actually who originally told me about side saddle putting and that's when i found he might yeah he's got a bow putters yeah he does okay yeah. that's that's how i found you guys yeah okay uh, from vermont yeah East from new hampshire or new hampshire yeah okay nice mm -hmm. yeah and he's yeah. lights out with it i mean he's he's deadly he yeah is. i mean if you just look at it and this is how i always tell people i mean Obviously, it's not traditional. Other than Sam Snead, nobody back in the day used that. But from a purely athletic perspective, like everyone gets behind their ball to line up their putt. You're looking with both eyes. You're sure of the line. And then once you step to the side, it's easy to lose that. And then also, you know, with the stroke, it's easy for the face to deviate. Whereas if your setup is solid, unless I come out of my posture early, there's no way that I'm going to miss hit the putt. Right. And if you think about how like accurate you are underhanding something how accurate you are underhanding something even like ski ball or something like right. it's just it's it's totally different uh and it's interesting it really is i'm very curious to see like uh how it works for me uh on the it's a natural course. movement it's like it's like cornhole or something you're just right. flipping you know you're just there's not much thought that goes into it you start right. thinking about the putting stroke it, it felt natural when we, we put it down on the mat uh down here in the Dan cave. And I was like, right away, I was like, I get this stroke. Like it's a nice, it, it feels just like a pendulum. Like you get, you're always struggling when, when I'm, I'm like a forward press putter big okay. time. And I'm always struggling with, you know, the loopy backswing. So I'm either yanking it or pushing it. And it did feel nice. Maybe I'll have to, I just love my putter. It looks nice, you know? So I, I never, I'm faithful. Hey, to what it, are you, but. what are you trying to say? <laughs> I, need, I need some you know i what i'm trying to say is i'd probably be a lot better you know if i, I think i think that's that's something that a lot of people i mean like i said it's worth a shot it's worth like we, i've tried it all i've tried blades i've tried a heavy putter like i've tried mallets you know the, the one that the, danny has what do you even the heel shafted like that's the most beautiful putter to me the heel shafted blade but I can't yeah. play with that thing. I, I so I'm no, that's the, my worst putter that I could ever use. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I saw Bomar with the side saddle. I was like, I'm going to give it a try. I mean, it, it's, I have enough clubs. Why not just add, why not give one more a try out here? You got to have a clack. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and Brittany, you said you've been playing that way forever, right? Since I was 10 and I'm 32 now. So 
Yeah. yeah. So what's the, what's the thought with like getting like junior golfers on it early? Have you guys, so, do you guys make a junior model or? Not at the moment. I'm trying, we're working on it. It's in the works. Cause I want to use, I definitely want to stick with the 303 stainless steel, but in terms of the process, I want to make it more cost-effective, obviously, since it's for juniors. Um, we have seven juniors at the moment that are using it. And all I did was just cut down a BB 10 lower, yeah, which is fine. I mean, it's not too heavy for them to use, but I mean, that's something I want to push just so they're using it just right out the gate from the start, you know, and right. kids don't think, I think that's the thing when trying to convert conventional putters with people that are non-golfers, but athletes, it makes sense. Like I have a bunch right. of friends that just started golf and they're soccer players, softball players. And it's like, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah, this makes sense because they don't have any preconceived notions. Whereas for golfers, when I get people to try and set up, they're always trying to revert back to being conventional. So they're not lined up properly. And it's like, this this isn't right. This feels awkward, but um, yeah, if we can get them started as kids, I mean, that would be ideal. And hopefully, you know, we'll be able to do some junior camps this summer and not even locally, but I mean, we got a lot of ties up in Anchorage. I lived in Alaska for, geez, like 15 years. So to be able to go up there in the summer and hit up all those courses. They play a lot of golf up there. They play a lot of golf for three or four months of the year. I was going to say when it's light out, when it's light out, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, when you have 21 hours of daylight, that's when they're playing. So, but they have a lot of courses and stuff up there. And I would never even think about that as like a golf destination. Six in the Anchorage area, one closed down recently. So, But yeah, my dad started going up there in 1990 when I was two years old, just to teach in the summer. He had a buddy that went up and it's like, come up for five months. You're going to make a boatload of money, you know, get out of the Phoenix summers. And we did that and split our time until I was 13. And then I lived up there full time from the time I was 13 till I was 25. And then my family relocated here. So Gotcha. And you were and you were playing on the on the tour at that time. You were playing you were playing in tournaments and everything and living. Yeah. In, wow. It was funny because I really I mean I've been playing since I was five, but I didn't get committed to it and start to love it and have that drive until I was thirteen. And it's like I'm going to take you from the mecca of golf and I'm going to move you to Alaska. So I'm glad you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect timing, Britt. But no, I was lucky, man, because I got to play for University of Hawaii Manoa, which. It was a great program. We got to play all the big schools along the West Coast. And that's what really developed my game to the point where I could go pro and then had a blast for seven or eight years, losing yeah. money. So we, we've actually never had somebody who's played on tour on the podcast. So any kind. Um, yeah, that's true. So what's what, what was that like? Was that a tiring schedule for you? Did you? Yeah, because you mentioned quite a few like continents. Like Australia. And, yeah. 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 The, oh, go ahead. No, it sounds like you've been all over the globe, uh, playing yeah, in Australia, man. living in Hawaii, going to school in Hawaii, Alaska, been, living there. I've been blessed with the traveling I've been able to do, but no, I mean, the scheduling is funny. It's something that I'm so glad that I did. And it was, it was really hard to let go of it because the dream is always to, you know, play full-time tour, but right. it's, like, it's so hard to become one of that, you know, it's 1% that makes it. But um, yeah, the majority of my time was spent in Australasia on that tour, which actually worked out perfect because, you know, with the difference in hemispheres, I was able to just chase the sun all year. So I was down there for their summer. 
and usually from November until April. And that was, that season would go two or three months, but we would have like 15 events and it would be, you know, start out local pro-ams, smaller purses, but then would progress to co-sanctioned and tri-sanctioned events with the LET and LPGA. So, you know, I got to play in a lot of bigger tournaments, but never full-time LPGA. Like I did Q school one year and it was, it was tough. I made the mistake of going to Palm Springs in August, two weeks early. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get ready for this. It's like, you're just playing in 115 degree weather. Great. Yeah. And then you get to Q school time and you're just gassed. And yeah, it was, it was an experience that I would never trade for anything. The people I was able to meet, I learned so much about myself and just to be able to say, you know, I gave it 110% and now doing what I'm doing. It's like, this to me is so much more impactful. Like if I can help people love the game more, you know, have a better golf game, still be able to travel heaps, which is probably one of my favorite parts about playing. Like, yeah, I'm glad that I'm at where I am now. For sure. Are you a PGA professional now? Are you I got into your amateur status? But yeah. I'm still, yeah, I'm still considered pro, but I never progressed through level zero. Yeah. The, at that the, point I'm like, you know, it's a lot of money for one to get your class A and two, like going through that process. Cause I was an assistant pro for a while. It's like, there's not a whole lot of money straight out the gate. So it's like, Oh, do I want to do this? But mm. in the random events, I still do play. I am pro. So yeah. My, well, me and me and Danny went to coastal for professional golf management, Okay. Um, but we didn't finish with for Danny finished not for professional golf management, but I was an assistant pro for three years and I was just like, yeah it's it's until you find that right job it's just so it's just and in the northeast you're off in the winter so you either have to do the you know the split time thing or whatever so it's a tough business to get into you really got to love it uh it's a lot of hours and whatever else so now i make golf memes instead that's the uh (laughs) yeah that's the route i chose yeah i left the business for a while and i and i missed it you know because it is like a really fun community to be a part of so this is like was my way back in um But so if you had to sell somebody the Bomar putter, like when you see somebody, what do you, what's your, like, this is why you should, you know, like, Hey, look at this, like this, right. you know, what's your, what's your selling point there when you. I mean, for me and this, we can kind of revert back to what we were talking about before with it being a natural motion. Like yeah. we made our slogan. Can you roll a ball? Cause if I'm going to give you a ball in your hand and tell you to roll it to the hole. No, I can't. <laughs> Come on, Shubba. <laughs> but I mean, everybody, to roll it underhand like you're bowling in cornhole whatever so oh, right yeah i can do that, that to me, it's kind of an almost an inception move like i'm putting the idea in their head without having to tell them what to do so it's like okay well what did you just do all right yeah i rolled it okay that's how we put here you go so i, I think the biggest thing is egos because it's like well i don't want to seem so desperate that i'm doing this like it's a right. last resort but like i told you guys i mean <clears throat> We got people where it is a last resort. We got juniors. We got, you know, really great amateurs, really great pros. But it's like, hey, is there any room for improvement with my putting? If you think your putting is really good, which I have friends that are excellent putters, I'm not going to be like, hey, you need to try this. Right. You're a good putter. You don't need to mess with it. But if you think there's any room to improve, then, you know, may as well give it a go. I think yeah. the, the movement here is to normalize the side saddle. 
I think exactly. the world needs to normalize the side saddle. I think that's what, it's, it's a legal way to put. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And like if if you said roll a ball and somebody got into like a regular putting stance and, and rolled it from the side, like, down, like I would be like, you're the weirdest person I've ever met in the world. Why would you roll a ball? Like that? So I yeah. love it. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, it's, that's interesting that you say that like the the biggest kind of barrier for you, for you breaking in is the golfer's ego because it is just a group of people that think they have it all figured out and they don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like I've had, and we only did three demo days this year, all locally, but yeah, I had a couple people that rolled it. Great. This guy took it out on the course. Like he'd hit maybe 10 putts with it. We had him sorted out. He's like, Hey, can I take it out for nine with my buddies? And we're like, yep, go ahead. And he came back and I'm like, how did it go? And he's like, well, I had three birdies. I think he had a total of like 12 putts. Mm -hmm. So he knocked it out of the park. Like first time taking on the course. I'm like, do you want to get one? And he's like, <laughs> his buddies are giving him shit. And he's like, no, I don't think I can. And I'm like, Mate, I think works. that's, that's, that is the thing though. It's like, when you yeah. put that in your hands, you're, you're signing up to be the center of attention for the day, yeah. pretty much every time you play, because nobody else is going to have it, which is why we need to normalize it. And it was, it was honestly such a blast for me on tour because not only was I different because I was from Alaska, that was already weird. Like, wait, what? You're a pro and you're from Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a good hockey player so I had to do something else <laughs> but then it's like what is this girl doing and you know anytime I was on a green where there is a crowd I could always hear chatter like wait what is she doing because at first they're like okay she's just lining it up and then I'm staying there and it's like but then I'd make putts and then everybody gets really quiet it's like oh mm -hmm. this makes sense but I, I liked being different I, and I think if you're the type of person where it's like you know what I'm gonna do whatever works whatever makes right. sense to me and it's not gonna be for everybody and I'm fine with that, but I think it can help a lot of people. I'll tell you who it could be for somebody with some back problems, Tiger Woods. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> right? Hey, okay. okay. more upright. Yeah. We'll have somebody talk to him. I know we got some, you know, yeah. very active I don't know, on Instagram. I don't even know if that back can uh, get get the ball to the green at this point, but. <laughs> oh, Chubba. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. I didn't say he couldn't. I said, I don't know that he can. Now we should probably, before we jump off here, we should probably run Brittany through the this or that. Yeah, dude. I think you're right. This is just a quick little segment here, uh, Brittany, where we give you two options. You pick which one you like the best and we'll just work right through it. And it's brought to us by Tempe's Tees. Uh, you can check them out on Instagram at Tempe's Tees or at Tempe'sTees.com. It's the best wooden tee on the market and the only tee the group chat golf podcast Huge. uses on and the course. Look, let me just throw this in. They're also doing wholesale now. So if you're a golf mm. course that gives out tees, free tees, sells tees, they're doing box, you know, 10,000 boxes and there'll be any prices. So Tempe's Tees, check them out. Okay. You ready, Brittany? I am ready. Let's go. Okay. First one, Tiger or Phil? Tiger. Okay. Uh, driver or passenger in the cart? Driver. Uh, Rangefinder or GPS? Rangefinder. Public or private? Public. Flagstick in or out? In. Beer or pot? Beer. Um, would you call this uh, a cut or a fade? Call what? Yeah, like when the ball goes left. <laughs> it goes left to right. Left to right. Uh, I'd call it fade. Okay. Um, this one might, your answer might not be one of these. Mallet or blade? Blade. Probably yes. side saddle. 
Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, music or no music out there on the course? Music loud. Okay. Uh, Happy Gilmore or Caddyshack? Caddyshack. Okay. Oh, that's a big one for Danny. Danny um, now this is this is Buffalo wing specific. Okay, Buffalo wing specific. Ranch or blue cheese? Ranch. Hot dog or cheeseburger? Cheeseburger. And then favorite type of music? Uh, EDM. Okay, wow. beautiful. Yes. Come on, I've been in Australia for eight years. Oh, I love it. That's the uh, group awesome. chat, this or that. That's brought to us by Tempe's Tees. You can check them out on Instagram at Tempe's Tees or at Tempe'sTees.com. And now we have to dive into the EDM. What? Who do you like there? Um, I would say Flume. Yeah. Ritual Soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Odessa. Yeah, sure. If, if yeah. I want to go real hard, I'll listen to some Fisher. Okay. It was great. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of kind of the housey stuff, some synth. Yeah. Type I like melodic. some stuff too. Yeah, like the yeah. synth vibe. What about like but... heavy dubstep? Oof. Uh, at times. Yeah, at times. Yeah. <laughs> it gets pretty <laughs> heavy. It's maybe a workout. Cool. That's awesome. We don't get that answer a lot, but we're yeah. big fans of it. Yeah. yeah, it's great to hear that. Yeah. Uh, and I had one more question about the, this. That the the flag in. Is that a new for you or has that been a thing? Yeah, okay. No, that's new. And honestly, at first, I didn't like it just because visually I never had it in. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of an adjustment. And then I think COVID probably helped accelerate that to where now I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was the same way. At the beginning of COVID, I was like, I can't even do this. And now I don't think I could ever go back. Yeah. I really, I, I'm just no. leave it in. Plus, it's so much easier not having to worry. And I was always the one. When I played to like be the first one to be like, I should supply grab it. double. You know, yeah, always, I always have a pin in my hand, so it's nice just it. not worrying about it. Leave it, yeah. And if everyone does that, then it's smooth. I think at first it was hard because you had some that were like, no, leave it, and some was like, take it out. So you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. It's almost nice. Yeah, no, it's almost nice now not having to even not having the option because everybody's just got to leave it. Yeah. All right, I think that's all we got for you, Brittany. Man, this was a thank blast. you. Nice yeah. Thanks yeah, for where can on. where can we find Bomar Putters? So bomarputting.com. Okay. Uh, is our website, but we're on Instagram, Facebook. You can email me personally. We're, we're all over. So all right. awesome. yeah, so go for it's uh, at Bomar Putting on Instagram or yeah. Bomar Putting Co or just Bomar Putting? I think it's Bomar Putting. Okay. Yeah, or just type Bomar on, on Instagram and you'll probably find it. So go give them a follow, check out the putters, watch some of the videos. I mean, you can't get any worse anyway. So Go try them out. Um, again, thank you, Brittany, for coming. I appreciate, yeah, appreciate the time, Brittany. Yeah, Later. thank you guys. It was a blast. Hopefully, I'll see you back east at some point. Yeah, and you'll be seeing me out there with the Bomar Putter this year. So, yeah, I'll let yeah. you know how it works. I'm stoked. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks, mates. Thanks, Brittany. And that was our chat with Brittany. That was very informative. I liked that. I yeah. thought that was great. Yeah, I, I there's I mean, and like I, I said throughout the whole thing, I mean, with putting, as far as putting goes, why not just try something new, you know? Right. How much worse right. could it get for so many of us on the greens? Yeah, no. And she, you know, her point about the uh, the barrier of entry being the golfer's ego, I thought was brilliant because that is so true. I mean, I can see so many people who are just complete hacks, but think that they aren't. And, yeah. you know, that and then they. Look- it's just inherent in golfers. They want to, they want to think that they have it figured out and they want to think that like, Oh no, this side saddle, that's not, ugh, that's crazy. I'm fine with my putter. It's like, dude, no, you're not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's just I think, it's any, definitely... I think every amateur on earth could probably be, you know, extend to use a session. Just try it out. I don't think there's any amateur who's like, I think locked in at putting. I think, yeah, I think anybody who's good at golf and good at putting could be just as good with, with a side saddle putter. So, right. Um, I'm, right. I'm all in for normalizing the side saddle. I'm going to be, I'm going to be throwing it in this year. And if it works better than the regular product, I'm going to use it all year. Yeah. Uh, I think, oh, I think yeah. starting, if you're, especially if you're a beginner and you're listening or not even a beginner, I should say, if you've been in the game for like, you know, five, 10 years or less and you haven't been playing for, you know, 20, 25 years developing a, a different stroke, the underhand, the saddle underhand roll thing makes that like, like she, she explained to us it's just it makes it sense makes, it does how would you roll a ball like first even for long distance putts i'm starting to think like i thought short putts at first but long distance now like if you're to roll a ball how far would you come back on that underhand before you'd roll it yeah you know? exactly like i think if somebody put a ball in your hand and said get this close to the hole i mean that would be easier to me than making it in the hole uh, so i think the long and and you know i think the longer putts would be easier than you think mm-hmm yeah. yeah we had fun. I mean, we year. had fun fooling around with it. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something I think people should try. And to Danny's point too, like, I think even, you know, even legitimate beginners, you know, are probably like a good target audience for them because if you don't have bad habits to break, and if you don't have that ego that is telling you, no, no, I, look at how the pros do it. This is how I do it. I've got it all figured out. I mean, if you don't have any of those in place, then you're prime prime target for them. Mm-hmm. And try I, it, you and know, I just try like it. A, a good part of our audience is like not not your typical golfer, you know, not your typical like country club since they were eight years old, you know. Right. Most of them are just going out there once in a while, you know, and, and playing when they can, uh, but love it just as much. So. I think we, I think our, t- and even like me, for instance, I am not, I could care less what like the guy watching me putt thinks. And I think that's the biggest thing that would stop people from, from like Chubba said, you know, and like Brittany said, the ego, um, thinking about what other people are looking at you think, uh, thinking when you're trying it. So just fucking do it, man. That's what I say. Yeah. I mean, the only real life side saddle guy I know is Ryan and he is deadly with that thing. I mean, and terrible at regular you, putting. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's a and he's a good player. You yeah. know what I mean? It's great he, player. He's, and he's yeah, he's been playing a while, and he you know he's into trying new things, and he took that side saddling up on yeah. and did it. And he as somebody as as like for me, and I know you guys know, and I, I broadcast this pretty openly. As somebody who's a great ball striker who has never been a good putter, it's worth it for me to give it a shot. Um, right. because it could definitely lower my scores. I mean, I'm an above average ball striker and I would say a below average putter inside 12 feet. So it's for me, it's a no brainer. Somebody said there's a new legal way to putt. That's nothing like the old one. And I was like, all right, put one in my hands. Let's try it out. Gives yeah. you a more consistent stroke right off the bat. You and know? like she said, yeah. And even if it doesn't work for you, like it might work for somebody else. It might not be for you. If you're a great putter already, like I know, Daniel, you're a pretty good putter. I mean, I've seen you, you make a lot of putts inside six feet. Uh, <laughs> it's, I know I hate to say it, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's a fact. Come on. And that's one of the toughest things in golf for a lot of people. So if you suck from inside 10, eight, six feet, even if you miss three footers all the time, it might be worth it. Just trying something new, man. 
So, you know, it was great having Brittany on and just seeing a new, you know, legal way of putting that nobody really knows about. So, I mean, if we could try to get the word out there and show people that there's a different way to putt, the hardest thing to do in golf, uh, that's what we're here for. Yeah, I'm all for it. If people are coming up to me and they're like, hey, this is I've, I've, this is legal, it's, it's conforming, mm-hmm. but it's a lot easier. And it doesn't even have to be with putting, you know, if like yep. I saw I saw um, there's like kind of like a potato gun type of apparatus that just fires the ball off. You know, it's like a rifle. I have a video. That was legal. I would use that. I would get rid of my driver. (laughs) You know what I mean? So if you, if people are out there coming up with ways to make the game easier, call me, you know, give me a call. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's marker. Something that remote control ball marker. Dude, literally I will take anything that can improve my game. That's legal. Have you guys seen now this isn't legal, but have you guys, I think we maybe talked about it a little bit last year that have you seen that ball that is supposed to fly straight? Yes. I'm going to buy some and, and, and test it out. Are you talking, you're not talking to, Oh, it's a fake one, right? It's, it's non-conforming. It's non-conforming. Okay. But, it, Cause, uh, cause but I, even if, even still, I just want to, I just want to take it out on the, on the course and, and see if but, it works. Cause they claim that that baby that. flies straight. Like if, if, if you start, if the ball starts off your club face, like 30 yards left, it's just going to go dead straight 30 yards left. It's not going to like fade or draw from, like you still have to hit the ball straight off the tee and then it'll stay straight. It won't. Well, that's not what they say. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, they have, they have like some videos on YouTube that like uh, uh, a good player, I don't know if he's pro or what good player goes out there and he, tests out all of those like the slice swing or offline to the right offline to the left he says he does at least but every time yeah. he hits it it just pipes it right down the middle so i want to put it to the chubba test because there is no there's no way if that ball doesn't actually fly straight there's no way it like my swing is go, it's going to pass that test that's a good that's a fun little content thing for us we'll get some of those and try them out for a day and do a youtube video yeah, and then if they work, I'm just going to use them every time I play Daniel, but I'm, I'm going to say that I'm not using hopefully them. Hopefully it's like – hopefully you line it up the wrong way on the green and it just goes like sideways, you know, takes a U-turn on the putting green. Yeah, I think you do it's, – it's in the dimples. There's a different dimple pattern on the side, and I think you do have to line it up correctly. So, like, you would have to turn your ball over on every – you know, you have to play Fat John rules once you're out in the – in the yeah. thick of it, you know, out in the fairway and whatnot. But I did see a new, there's a Bridgestone ball now that actually put outwards facing dimples in the inward facing dimples, almost making it just a, a straight flat ball, like in a circle. Yeah. Huh? Like they put, like they put opposite inside the dimples that go in, they put like dimples going out, almost canceling out the dimples. If you will. like a volcano inside of a dimple. Type, like a yeah. Dimple. Yeah, a good good comparison, Daniel. The golf ball I'm referring to, by the way, is the Polera. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and now, oh, I don't know if they had that. They're saying 75 percent self-correcting. Oh, they went I don't down. Know that they had that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that they had that when I was looking at <laughs> a couple it. of YouTube videos, and they were like, "Yeah, we should probably just write 75." Imagine making though. Imagine being a company that makes golf equipment that's non-conforming. Right? <laughs> Like, who you, you know, just like, going what? after cheaters? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's got to be enough out there. 
Right. And cause I mean, look, they, they've probably got a customer in me here because it's just like, yeah, I just want to see if the, I want to see if they're liars or not. Yeah. Chubb is not playing in any NHGA events, you know, or, or at PGA. Events. Well, yeah. Or I wouldn't use this if I did, you know, I, I jump into a couple tourneys that have that branding on it every now and again, but I would definitely bet money against Daniel for sure. Yeah, I'd like to speak with these non-conforming companies and get a ball that can go like 700 yards and then really just fuck with some of my buddies. Like, you know, oh, I got this new Sim 2 this year. Wait right. till you see this thing in action. And then just hit a ball over a highway or something. So. Now, Danny, if we were to play straight up, would you bet against me using this ball? I'd have to see it first. You nope. Know, I'd have to- first round. Nope. I won't even test it out. So it's fair. We go into this blind. Wow. There's no fucking possibility that that thing. <coughs> I mean, it, do you get to lift it up and place it the right way, like on the fairway? I don't know if there is a yes. There is a right way. There is. Oh, okay. There is a right way. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. In the videos, arrows. they make it very clear. Yeah. Well, it's just again, it's the the dimple pattern. Yeah. The dimple pattern is different on the side, so you do have to line it up correctly on each shot. So I would be doing that. Yes. I mean, you can let's still, just put like, let's put one unit on it, no strokes. I mean, you can still chunk it. You can still top absolutely, it. absolutely. Still, I mean, there's so yeah. much. Like, you can. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you can hit four putts on a green. It has nothing to you know. It doesn't. I really correct putts. I insist that if you pull that thing, like they said, seventy five percent, like it's seventy five percent of the time it works. Like you'd be in that twenty five percent off the tee <laughs> every so, time. Well, that's what I'm saying, dude. The Chubba swing would would put that to the test. Yeah. It would be you would like find out right, the percentage. It doesn't compensate for you being like twenty degrees open at impact. It's like we can't. We can't, the ball is going so far to the right that it's going to go straight right. It's not going to reef. It's like it can't draw or, or cut like that guy saying that you saw in the videos. I'd have to see that. It'd be like a like, 25, 20, like twenty five percent of the time it works every time kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> If you hit it dead straight, like with a square face, I bet it's not going to cut or draw is what I would believe. Like there's not going to be any, it's just going to be like a knuckleball going through yeah. there. Right. You're saying well, if I lined up toward the woods, it's not going to magically correct itself back into the fairway. It's not or, a fairway finder. It just or, cuts down on ball flight. Correct. If you took an over the top swing with a closed club face, you know, or even just an over the top swing. Yeah, one one a ball that would start off left and and cut or fade or slice usually that ball is just going to go in the left woods. So I think right. a lot of players who are getting it to hit straight balls who like hit a slice for instance would just hit it left. Right, it they're gonna spin. they're gonna aim left to play their slice and it's gonna go maybe a little bit straighter. It might tail. It's got a tail a little bit. I think you should. You, or if they're it, saying what they're saying is it takes the tail out. So it would be like the swing plane that comes over the top and pulls it to the left that just keeps it left. I'd be yeah. So this is this is kind of what they're saying. It uh, they're designed to correct hooks and slices, uh, which means if you slice a golf ball a hundred feet, uh, the exact same swing with our anti-slice golf ball would slice about twenty-five feet, leaving you in the fairway instead of the rough. Or if you're good at playing it, leaving you in the left rough instead of the fairway. Right, right, yeah. Or if you're Chubba, you'd leave you in the woods regardless. Uh, I'll say, I'll say, I'll let you, I'll, I'll play you. I don't know if I play as a scratch though with that. 
because it's gonna be it's gonna be like a two shot difference somehow. I might keep them. All right, I'll take two on. I'll take two and two. No problem. Mm. But if that ball keeps you out of one pond, you know, by a foot, it's it's paid for itself. I'll take three and three. It's yeah. Let's put two units on it. Three and three. <laughs> and now don't forget, units in the group chat golf podcast crew is twenty dollars. Yeah, and again, the reason we don't do hundred dollar units. The reason that we say units is so that you don't have to disclose the unit, the dollar amount. But since True. you just outed us, yes, our unit is twenty dollars. But if you hadn't done that, somebody out there might think, <laughs> "Oh wow, they're playing for two thousand dollars." Jeez, these guys. But no, it's twenty. As Sonny just told everybody, twenty so. per unit, so it's forty. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. All right, All right deal. Well, so that is in the books. Uh, next time we play, we'll be using that uh, three and three, the Polara self-correcting golf ball Polaris for Bomar's. two units. Go check out Bomar putting on Instagram. Yeah, for Bomar sure. Putting. Um, check out us at Group Chat Golf Memes. Uh, I actually changed my um, my uh, my personal tag to officially sunny at officially sunny. Oh, on Insta uh, you did? I did, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because that's my Twitch also. So if you want to find me on Instagram or Twitch, it's at officially sunny. Um, no underscores, which feels Whoa! good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Feels Great. good. Out, I'm out of the underscore game besides group chat underscore golf underscore memes. Um, at Chubba Watson on Instagram and Twitter. At- yeah, and on that, just real quick, I've been noticing – I've been, I had been kind of neglecting my Twitter for, mm, I'd say, probably all of the duration that I've had it. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed that some followers are starting to trickle in there. So I will make an effort to start tweeting a little bit more. You know, I should do the same. Tweets at let's me. do I that like, because yeah. Yeah, I'm up to tweeting. like, I have like 180 followers on Twitter or something. And yeah. I only tweet when I like have an idea and I'm like, I want to make a meme out of this. So all the tweets that they see, they end up seeing on Instagram anyway. Right. So maybe I'll end up like, you know, actually using Twitter. Yeah, and like I always hear about people like people always rag on LeBron for subtweeting his team. And I don't really know what that means, mm. but I kind of want to be able to subtweet Daniel. So mm-hmm. I want to look into what that means and then put out uh like condescending subtweets to Daniel. I don't know. I'm gonna look into it and see how it goes. But yeah, golf stuff, maybe even some other just like Twittery stuff too, you know, just tweeting. Just, just beat Chubba Watson, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Both you might as well. And uh, we also have, we also, and uh, Chubba Watson on Twitch too. Go follow him there um, because mm-hmm. we all are trying to hit affiliate status um, yeah. so we can bring you some live content all together. And um, at uh, Danny, <laughs> at uh, Daniel, is it Lafferty underscore at Daniel Lafferty underscore, underscore Daniel underscore. <clears throat> I think. At Lafferty underscore Daniel underscore on Instagram. Um, one of the strongest golf memers out. I don't know there. if so that's definitely. He doesn't is that know. my IG? He's not sure. <laughs> uh, but he does. He's he is. Uh, yeah, he's he's good at what he does. So go check him out. Go follow us on social. Go check us out on Twitch. We got big things coming in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to figure this thing out, but there's going to be some changes in 2021 for sure. There's going to be more video content. Um, just just you know, more of us, there's going to be more Mm -hmm. of it, whatever it is, we haven't figured it out, but there's going to be more of it and it's going to be more video related. So, um, keep, uh, keep your eyes peeled. Yep. Um, and tell your friends, you know, your friends, tell your family and we're, and we're coming up and even it's possible like by the next episode that it happens, but we're coming up on a hundred thousand. 
uh, followers. Ooh. Oh, so we're over ninety-seven thousand. So it's not going to be long before we hit it. Um, I'll do a nice uh, sentimental thank you. But until then, send our, send the memes to all your friends. Let them know about the podcast. Just you know, subscribe. I don't know, whatever. Do people yeah. subscribe? Do I, what people yeah, do. Subscribe. You're yeah. you're not listening still. You don't care about what we're saying now. But subscribe, uh, follow, do all those things. Appreciate it. So uh, thank you, Brittany Bomar, for coming on. Uh, episode 31, the Group Check Out Podcast. Chubba Watson, take us out. You're welcome.